Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, good morning. It's Thursday morning. Let me do the Tefillah podcast for this week. As always, I'm sponsored by Mishpacha Stefanski. Um, thank you. And I know he was interested in concentrating more on Shimon Esri, so let me take a look. Since we're in the period of Tishabov and Tubov tomorrow, the, uh, which is my anniversary. So, um, I talked last time about Estemach David and Lishlaimirchad, the famous themes, what we're looking for. Uh, but strangely, uh, you have the seventh bracha, Reino Vinu, so to speak, out of place, because it ought to be together with the other three, logically. If you have prayers in the Shemun Esrei, um, which have to do with the Yachid, and prayers have to do with the Rabbim, or maybe I should rephrase that, prayers have to do with our personal lives, like Rafaeno or something like that. Baruch you want some money. Uh, but then there are those that are more like uh, Geul-oriented, Hashibeno Vilos, I mean, excuse me, Hashib Shavtenik Varshona, and, uh, you know, things like that. Uh, and then Leo Shalim Yechabrachim Tashuv, and then Semach Dovid kind of forms a unit, praying for the Jewish people. Because just because somebody personally is doing well doesn't mean that you're supposed to say, Tamal of Nashi, I don't care what happens to anybody else, I'm doing okay. Um, that's very wrong. I think everybody kind of knows that. And uh, therefore, this would be something in connection with that sort of thing. And um, it's kind of interesting that. Is at the very beginning, so to speak, Samus Bracha, more in relationship to like personal kind of business. You know, Slach, Lonavi, Hichatanu, that kind of thing, right? Then comes Rafaeno. And so the question is, and maybe I've raised it before, but as I said before, since Vitzal was mentioning to me what's the real meaning or what, what, what should we think about in Shmon Esrei, uh, and what Geula are we talking about? So, it's actually a very interesting, broken, very interesting question. And if you look in the famous Gemara in uh, Megillah, they talk about the meaning of the Shemun Esri. Now, it is post-facto. I mean, it's pretty clear to me that when you see that Gemara in the second paragraph of Megillah, why do they do this? For this reason, that reason. It's, you know, working backwards. Since the Brach is there, they're looking for justification for it. Nevertheless, you see interesting insights. And one of them is where the, where the Gemara says, it's in Yod Zion, that uh, when it says, the Gemara is preoccupied with the numera- enumeration. Why is this the first brach? Why is it the second, the third? What's the significance of the number? I'll tell you again, It's to me, it's a it's, uh, after the fact reasoning, but it doesn't matter because you're dealing with Tanarim Amrimba here. See, even their after the fact reasoning is significant. So, Ma Ro Lomar Gula Bishvias, Amarov Mitok Shasid and Ligol Bishvias. 
L'fichel kavu b'shvitz. So according to this, he's saying something significant, which is from a that whenever they composed the Shmonesri, the way you and I have it today, we daven every day. They had certain certain uh, priorities in mind. They may not be identical with our priorities, and they may. In other words, from a strictly logical point of view, if someone was a liturgist and composing a tefillah nowadays, you might, might want to want something of a greater consistency and packet, like I said before, uh, next to Esemach uh, David or something, one of those places over there. We say Ravion on Yenu and so forth, it would fit there very well. But he's saying that Chazal, whenever they put the Shemun together in the way we did today, we're thinking on different lines. And one of the things they were thinking of was in apocalyptic terms, Mashiach times. And specifically, when I say apocalyptic, he means the concept that the Messianic era will be a bloody and messy business. It'll be accompanied by wars and bloodshed and all that stuff. Such as described right and left throughout the Tanakh, the, the Vim and Ksubim. And there was even a heavy messianic speculation at the time after the Chorban, which is understandable. And by that I mean the first two centuries. And that is when the Shemun was was composed, to be perfectly honest, earlier than that, like in the first century or even less, after the Chorban. And you can see what was on their mind was they're already thinking in messianism, and they're already thinking in apocalyptic terms there'll be a war. And the reason that they wanted this seventh bracha to be number seven was because the Mashiach is supposed to come in some kind of a seven-year cycle. The preceding bracha, I may remind you, is that, uh, you know, uh, what are you talking about? Slach uh, Vino and all that. Um... When it says, uh, here we go. Because they knew that the uh, that the messianic arrival will be accompanied by wars on being a seven year cycle, as Rashi says, Shavua ben David There will be a seven year business, a Shavua. So in other words, the Mashiach won't happen, Stam. There'll be a process, and extraordinary events will take place over the course of seven years, which will culminate in the coming of the Mashiach. Kin Amrina Rashi said Perichelik, like it says in in uh, what do you call it in Sanhedrin. Shana Rishana Rav Rav. So he quotes you. He points you to this uh, mysterious but expected seven-year cycle. Here, let me get to Gemara here. Okay, here we are. Um, in Saudi Zion 97. It's a Brisa. Um, and it says, This is the way the Chazal envisioned. Already in the immediate aftermath of the Temple's destruction. Uh, I don't know about the week of it, like we're in now, but you know, in the years following it. The seven-year cycle, which will culminate in the coming of Ben David, of the Mashiach, um, in the first year, you'll see a pasuk that says him There'll be rain in some places and not in others. So I would, if I want to play games, um, 
It'll say be rov b'machem zeh b'silva machem zeh. In is a global warming vort. Get it? In other words, in some places, the climate will be such that there be no food. No other place to have food. We actually have been living in this kind of matzah for quite a while now. A lot of these third world countries have gone through terrible ecological things. Maybe it's their fault, maybe it's not their fault, doesn't matter. And they're relying on foods from other countries. So, you know, in some places there's silver, in some places there's not. Shneo, chitzi In the second year there'll be more famine. He says the, the arrows of famine will be sent. In other words, the food supply will be issued. Isn't that interesting? We're talking today, look, I don't know all the science stuff exactly, how could I? But we're talking very much now, it's on the table, for years now, the global warming, some say it's all baloney, and some say it's not. Who knows? The regular science says that it is. And therefore you're going to see increasing famine. Uh, You understand drought, places like that. Think about the consequences of what I'm talking about. And so Rav is going to be a major feature of our era, 21st century, even though Lachari, you would have said, with modern science, all the rest of it, the opposite. Now we'll be able to feel the whole, feed the whole world, right? With all the super modern stuff, modern agronomy, discoveries, things like that. But it doesn't turn out to quite to be like that. It turns out to be there's an increasing uh, hunger or famine around the world, which is just interesting. Um, you know, and Israel's like really working on this with the drip agriculture and so forth. Shlishis Ra'av Gadol. So look what he just described. If you want to know the six-year cycle, when I say six-year, I'm just going by what it says. Maybe six decades, who knows? No, who knows? But I know one thing, that there'll be, he just describes three stages in an increasing world hunger. And the beginning was, Al-Irachas Yes, Al-Irachas Lo. The second was, Chitzei Rav Mishtalchim. The third year was, Rav Gadol. Umesim Anoshim Benoshim Betav There'll be a terrible famine, and all kind of people, good and bad, will die, including the tzaddikim. The famine will be so extensive. People will stop learning. Rashi says, Now, right now, you and I live in America, or, or similar countries, I imagine, and so the food situation is okay. But if you read all the science and stuff like that, they're always talking about a time coming when the food situation will not be okay because of climate. Um, what else that comes next? Bervius, Sova and Sova. Then there'll be a cyclical, there'll be a recovery. A little bit of, of uh, food, Sova, Veino, Sova. Bechamisha, Sova, Goro. Then a lot of food. Ochlem, Bechosa, Smecha, and everybody have a grand old time. And, and, and the Torah will return. You know, if you're very hungry or very sick, it's not only a question, because I had to happen to me, not only a question of if you have time to learn or not. When you're very shvach, your mind does not function. Many, many, many years ago, I had a major health situation, had to have operations and blah, 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 back in 1990 or around then. And I can tell you, there was one point I was so weak, I couldn't think. Rabbi Weisbord from the Israel came to visit me in the hospital just before the operation I was going to have. And I still remembered. He said, you went to Mincha, the operation. I said, fine, but you know, you have to say it. Because I could remember the words, Asha Yoshi. I couldn't finish the rest of the sentence. That's what happens when your mind is so weak. I couldn't finish the rest of the sentence. Even though I know 
Ashayin should be sechod yil chasal, but not then. So it says to, when people start to have food, Torah chazeres lam deha, bashish is kolos, right? And then in the sixth year will be kolos. Rashi is speculating, you know, does it mean that the kabbish of gadol, or does it mean rumors of the Messiah, things like this? And find b'shvius mochamas. And the seventh year will be the messianic wars, the terrible wars. And b'motzah shi'as ben David at the end of the seventh year or the eighth year, the Mashiach will arrive. Okay, and Rashi says the Mulchamas will be bein of the kacham Yisrael. Now this is all speculation, but on the other hand, it's speculation by Rashi. <laughs> okay, so because of this, must have been a very famous teaching, and because it's so famous, so it, the, the Gemara here, and I'm reading in Megillah, says that since it's the culmination of a seven-year cycle, so we do is the seventh one, which is remarkable because nobody today thinks like this unless you're super bucking all the Gemaras. And it even says, the Gemara asks in its Talmudic fashion, the Mashiach is coming the eighth year, but he said, Melcham is the Schalt of the Gul. The Melcham is the beginning um, so the, the the war will last through the seventh year and into the eighth, or the seventh decade into the eighth, or the seventh cycle into the eighth, whatever that means, right? And again, Rashi, who, as we know, was always interested in, very heavily in messianic speculation, that's who Rashi was, among other things, says, that um, the Muhammad will be the Askalta de Gula. Uh, so ordinarily we say like this, the ghoul of Klal Yisrael. He says, not exactly. Not exactly. The Aschalta de Gula Rashi says, refers to Hai Gula of Gula de Golasu, Elashi Galenamin, and Tsaras Abosani Tomin. Will be saved from current anti Semitism. From the Tsaras Abosani Tomin. And Rashi lived in times, you know, Middle Ages. There were quite a number of Tsaras that came on them. That's always over there. And Rashi goes on to buttress this by saying, Right? So he's asking a question that I raised, which is, why do you have a bracha called, you know, what am I supposed to think? I mean, I'm going to do all that when we get later on with the Kabbalah Sheva Gadol and Hashim Shabtenu and Lirushalayim Mircha and Semach David. I feel like keeping the shame Geula Ola Kabul Bishviz. Since they're mentioning Geula, so they put it by the seventh, which is confusing, right? At least to me. Confusing. Now, I'll tell you what I think, and to tell you the truth, it's not even me. But you can find it explicated in Jonas and Apeshitz in the Yaris Vash. And, and, and this is something that's very new to you and I. As, uh, as Betzal was asking, you know, what are we thinking when we govern every day? And. He has this long disquisition on each of the uh, brachas, but I don't want to cut to the part that's no gay to, to us in our regular davening. Now say it out loud, and that'll be inside. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, thanks to the internet, it was always, since thanks to modern journalism, and now even more the internet, one becomes aware of the infinite number of anti-Semites and anti-Semitism of a toxic and lethal variety that's there all the time. And you realize that you're like, 
dependent on Rachmei Shemayim all the time for some nut to come in your soul and start shooting. We've One of the features of the modern era, I would say the last 40, 50 years, which wasn't there before, is the shoulder of the armed guards around it. Think about it. For centuries and centuries, the Jews lived in Europe and Asia and Africa and Muslim areas and all that, in the Sea of Goyim. They had their synagogues. Maybe they weren't fancy. You know, they were restricted. You didn't have guards. It was understood that, you know, nobody's going to go in there and cause trouble. If there's a pogrom against the Jews, that's a, that's a general attack. But not, you know, somebody's walking into the shul and start shooting. This has happened in my lifetime. With the rise of Arab terrorism, Arab terrorism. And the shul becomes a target. And years ago, used to be something you didn't see in the United States, you saw it in Europe. And frankly, I don't think you even saw it in the UK. You saw it in France and Germany and those kind of places. But then it came to the UK. And now it's come to the USA. And we're more and more familiar with the fact, unfortunately, that a lot of people hate the Jews so much so that they're dreaming and talking on their um, you know, own chat groups about coming and killing people. And I'm not referring only to Schultz. But there's a symptom that there's a lethal and toxic uh, hatred. Maybe sometimes we cause it. That's a controversial business that can sign. But whatever the case is, um, you know, and even if one lives, the Rabban Shalom is so mated that even when you live in a liberal democratic country, the crime situation is of such a nature that that itself is a threat to life and limb. That's local criminals of whatever class and group. And this is reality. Now, maybe if you live in a gated community in the middle of some Muncie-type situation, it's not even true, though. There was a guy who shot somebody in the shoulder, you know, a couple of years ago. Disgruntled people is a big threat. And therefore, praying for personal security for yourself, your family, your tzibur, and all the rest of it is not something we could take for granted anymore if we ever could. We're becoming sensitized to this in ways we did not want to be sensitized precisely because the crime wave is what it is. The anti-Semitism wave is what it is. Think about what I'm about to tell you. I'm speaking American terms, but it's true of every country. If you didn't have full-time police units like the FBI and stuff like that, working Yom Avalila to keep on track of these anti-Semitic groups that want to kill people, and if you didn't have Jewish groups doing the same, and with all the efforts and, and resources poured into that, Kula Haiva Ulai, you hope that it'll work, then we'd be sitting ducks. We'd be sitting ducks. And then, of course, there's the political movements they're out to get the Jews. Whether they say it's in terms of Israel or some other reason, there's significant movement against the Klai Yisrael in one way or another, which was much less when I was young and many of my listeners were young. So notice, I'm describing a, a phenomenon which is increasing all the time. 
the from way to look at it is that God has sent you a message. Okay, you know, you're dependent on me. Don't think like you're safe. And you say, thank you, Bunch I live in the USA. I do need your help right now. If I do, I'll call you. <laughs> you know, um, but so far, so good. The country's normal. Uh, it ain't so. It's less so all the time. And so a person has to believe or has to perceive is a better way of putting it that the only reason you're safe is, is God's putting a hand over you. The minute he withdraws the hand, you're exposed to people who want to kill you. And they will. You see? It's not like he has to go and hate anybody up. The, the, the hatred is there. The desire to do harm is there. The protective hand is blocking them. And so, means don't remove the protective hand. I mean, today, in my neighborhood, in my shul, in my house, in my house, and all around. Uh, because otherwise, we're toast. As he puts it over here, now, by the way, if that doesn't hit a person, then your mom is in dreamland. Okay? This is in the Yaris Vash. Yesh Ladam Losim Aliba Bumdalatfila, Kiwe Sarali Yaakov. Rabim Lochmim Lanu Marum Lechaloso Labei Cheres Yaakov Chasrishon. Just have to realize now. Yonas and Ancient throws this in seventeen hundreds in Germany, where if one would look at it from regular history books, you say it wasn't so bad. I mean, obviously there was discrimination, all the rest of it, but they weren't out to kill the Jews twenty four seven. And he says that's not true. You had kings and princes, and they blocked it for their own reasons. But out there, there was a lot of desire to do that. And if we're in Eistar Gedola, and any Yid, he says, who doesn't realize that they're living in Eistar Gedola, or let's put it, let me be a little more accurate, in a potential Eistar Gedola, in other words, it's there, it could be actualized, just hope it isn't, then how do you tell me you don't have come on in that prayer? Even with crying. Because you're always a split second away from Mavis. Which means the political system, the uh, social contract system, wherever you live, wherever you live around the world, could change in a flash. And we see that the last 24 hours passed and the bad guys were not able to get done what they wanted to do. They should say you're glad that God listened to the prayers for another day. And so next morning when you say thank you for yesterday that the enemies, I'll just make something up, that the enemies of um, Israel in the Congress were not able yesterday to pull off what I'm sure they wanted to pull off and I thank you for that, but I'm also praying today they shouldn't be successful either. We're not going through election cycles, primary cycles in the USA. Anybody that follows the news knows you got some plenty of bad actors out there potentially, and you're always a, a, an election away from bad stuff. Because it's just a permanent existential part of the Jewish existence. So, the person who says, I'm well off, I'm secure, I live in a gated community, it's just fooling themselves, you understand? Of course, it has immediate effect. 
But it could flip and it could turn. It didn't help the Jews in Europe when they were rich, when the bad stuff happened. It, it won't help here. So, of course, we do everything we can. And it doesn't mean that there's no Hishtadlis. That's ridiculous. Of course there is. But all the Hishtadlis in the world can go out the window. So, therefore, an intelligent person, he says, realizes that wherever you are, you're always close to a tochacha. Your life hangs in the balance. Now, you don't get depressed over it, but what you do, rather, is say like this, thank you, uh, I realize that the one who runs the show is the Rabban Shalom. I thank you when I say Revi Onyenu, it means literally, like I'll use American terms, Revi Onyenu, look at all the people out there in the political system who want to hurt us. Those who hold office, those who are seeking office, those who are on the, on the internet, and save us from these guys. Okay? Whether they come out openly and say what they think, or what they do through through indirection and circumlocutions, but they do it. Therefore, you're thinking about the gula. But you're thinking about the gula in the context of me, myself now. I'll use my example. Today in Baltimore, Maryland, in this and this year, so I'm thinking about the gula, but I need a go. I got to survive till the gula comes. You understand? Plus, a separate thing is you pray for those who are off the derech, as they put it today. Because they also are Jews and need help. So the basic idea. Now, this is not the only way to approach it. But this is an old-fashioned classic way, which if you paid attention to it, you'll see that what Yonus and Eibshitz is saying there really kind of conforms to what Rashi says in the Gemara Megillah, which is a personal geula. So there's the geula of Klal Yisrael on the one hand, which is the final redemption from the Gullahs, and the return to Israel, and the Messianic era, and the rebuilding of the Temple, and all that. And those are the other brachas in the Shemun Esri. But he suggests is when you do this is more in the nature of a personal goal in the sense of basic security. You cannot take your basic Jewish physical security for granted. Because if you do, then God will give you a little shake-up and a wake-up call. They say, oh, you thought you are okay? And you were under delusions that your society doesn't have any people with evil designs? Who could win the public over in a second? I'll show you, <laughs> Hashem says. Well, we don't want that. Therefore, Rav Yonyenu uh, is not a Tishabah thing per se. It's a prayer they recite all year long, 365, 354 days a year, not to turn those 354 days into other Tishabahs. Um, which, of course, occasionally has happened in Jewish history. That's why you can look at these calendars of bad events and you can see plenty of days that mark, you know, invasions, uh, inquisitions, pogroms, and massacres, and so on and so forth. There's, there's plenty of that in Jewish history. But every day you pray that it shouldn't happen now. I think, myself, me, myself, and I, I think that's something to get to everybody, no matter where you are and what your station in life. And it's really a, a prayer against self-delusion. Uh, there's a Jewish proclivity throughout the ages for self-delusion when it comes to physical security of the Jewish community. It's because contemplating what I'm talking about today is such a bummer, such a negative and depressing subject you rather not go there. But somebody's got to do it. 
today we live in Western societies, so we do the Western approach. We delegate the worrying to security committees, security organizations. You know, now you see a, a lot of showroom and that kind of thing, which is good. I'll say it again. All this childless works, that's great. But just because you delegate it to a group or an organization, whether, you know, whoever you are, whether it's the, uh, you know, the anti-defamation group or the showroom or this group or that group or lobbyists, doesn't mean that you yourself can say, okay, I was the OJ, I de delegated the group, I'll send them a check, and now I don't have to worry anything more about them. They do the worrying. Actually, it's not true. Ray Vonin, who tells you that one of your chiyuvim is that you should worry every day, it's not for simply worry, because the point is not to make you neurotic, but worrying means you turn to Hashem, because that's the only solution. That, that, that's the idea behind this prayer, which I think is very interesting and uh, thought-provoking, especially in the wake of Tisha B'Av. And once again, I want to thank Mishpacha Semeksi for sponsoring the Tefillah Podcast as they do every week. And with that, I wish you a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.